the Lord spoke through Ezekiel in the 18th chapter of his book, and he says, the person who sins will die. The son will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity. The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. But if the wicked man turns, if the wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed and observes all my statutes and practices and does justice and righteousness, he shall surely live, he shall not die. All his transgressions, which he has committed, will not be remembered against him. Because of his righteousness, which he has practiced, he will live. Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, rather than that the the wicked should, should turn from his way and live? When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations that a wicked man does, will he live? All his righteous deeds which he has done will not be remembered for his treachery which he has committed and his sin which he has committed. For them he will die. Yet you say, The way of the Lord is not right. Hear now, O house of Israel. Is my way not right? Is it not your ways that are not right? When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity, and dies because of it, for his iniquity which he has committed, he will die. But again, but again, when a wicked man turns away from his wickedness which he has committed and practices justice and righteousness, he will save his life because he considered and turned away from all his transgressions which he has committed. He shall surely live. He shall not die. So he starts by saying that the wicked man, if he turns he will live. Then he says, but if the righteous man turns to wickedness, he will die. But then he ends by saying, implying that if that that righteous man who's become wicked turns back to righteousness and does what is right, he will live. He will not die. He will surely live. Amen? Very first words out of Jesus' mouth was a simple statement. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does the word, what does the term repent mean? Most literal Greek rendition of repent, matneo or epistrepho, it simply means to turn. To turn. Repent. 
for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now that tells us something. That says that unless we see the kingdom of God at hand, then our souls do not have the incentive that would provoke such a radical turning as repentance. We have to know why we're turning. Amen? He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. If you don't see the kingdom of God at hand, if in fact you're happy with the kingdoms of this world, but the kingdoms of pleasure, the kingdoms of money, the kingdoms of power and politics, if those kingdoms are enough for you, you will not find sufficient incentive to make such a radical change in your life as repentance. Amen? But Jesus tells us why we should repent. He says, there's something right at your fingertips, and it can be yours. But Paul would later say in the 15th chapter of Corinthians, he said, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen? But we are supposed to inherit the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if you see a righteousness at your fingertips, if you see a peace just outside your reach, if you see a joy just beyond your grasp, but your heart longs for it, believes in it, and reaches after it, then you are on the path of repentance. And repentance means to turn, to make a categorical pivot in your life. Now, in order to make a categorical turn, in order to repent, then we have to know what the basic direction is that we're heading in in order to accurately turn from that direction. Amen? So I want to ask you, what is the direction of the man or the woman who has not yet repented? What is the categorical direction of the man or the woman who has not yet repented? The Broadway that leads to death. The Broadway that leads to death. And just as surely as the kingdom of God is what would give me the incentive to turn from that Broadway, there's something, there is also an incentive that is being offered to all the people on that Broadway. And what is that incentive? What are we pursuing before we make that turn? God says to us, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. But that means the enemy has said something else to us. He said, no, go this way for something else is at hand. When people first lived on this planet, when they first had a relationship with God, did it begin with them headed in the wrong direction? So the first person to say, repent, ironically, was the devil. He got people to repent of their righteousness. Paul would later tell us that God wants us to come to a repentance not to be repented of. That means a turning not to be turned away from. 
So why, what did the enemy say when he first got people to repent from God's way of righteousness and to join this broad way that you so accurately described? He simply said, God knows that if you'll eat this tree, if you'll disobey him, eat this tree of your knowledge, your way of knowing, human knowledge and the human mind, you will be like God's, knowing for yourself good and evil. And God is afraid of this, and so he's trying to keep this from you because he wants to control you. So it was a promise of liberation from submission. It was a promise of empowerment through knowledge. It was a promise of independence. Liberation, empowerment, independence. Liberation, empowerment, and independence. You'll be liberated from God's monopolizing control. You'll be empowered to have the the authority and the power that God has. You'll be like God. And you won't need Him anymore. He won't be able to control you. You'll be like God's and you'll determine for yourself. Up to this point, God has determined for you and that represents a dependence. Liberation, empowerment, and independence. Amen? Amen. So now do we see the allurement of the kingdoms of this world? You won't need anybody. You'll be your own God. You'll know good and evil for yourself. That is the lie. That is the allurement. That is the bait on the trap. And what happened when they began to obey these enticements of the serpent? What happened? Did immediately, did they become empowered? What happened? What happened? Did they become empowered or did someone else become empowered? She says the enemy had power over them. Who did Jesus call the ruler of this world? Who did John call the God of this world? Amen. And yet God had put the world under the control of man. The heavens, the heavens, these are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. He put all things, all the works of his hand under the dominion of man. Amen. And man began to submit to a lie. And the result was not the empowerment of man. The result was that all our lifetime we became subject to bondage through the fear of death. Amen? The result is that no longer was God reigning through a relationship with us, but now we were subjugated. We were caught in slaves, in chains of bondage. And we were enslaved to passions beyond our power. Amen? And now, who's the God of this world? Who's the ruler? Are we the gods of this world? Are we the rulers of this world? No, we know who is. It's that same serpent who who fed us a bill of goods, who told us a lie. So this is the categorical direction of mankind. This is the broad way. They are pursuing their own autonomy. They are pursuing their independence, their empowerment, and their liberation from God. 
This is the broad way. There is something inside of you that does not want to submit to God. It is the DNA of sin. It is the seed of Adam and it is embedded in your very psyche because Adam opened the gateway. He opened the door to that sin and it took root inside of us. Through one man, sin came into the world. There is something in you that does not want to submit to anyone or anything outside yourself. There is something in you, there is a compulsion in you that needs to prove you don't need anybody. There is a compulsion inside of you and me that needs to try to get our carnal minds around everything. And only go in the way that our mind dictates. And that, those three allurements, those three compulsions, they are the biggest enemies of your salvation. Because as long as they are foremost in your thinking and in your motivation, you will never come to a repentance. Never. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace and joy. To be carnally minded, to be eating at the tree of delusion, the tree of your own knowledge, to be eating at that tree, in the day that you eat of that tree, dying, you will die. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace in the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Jesus says, repent. And that means to turn. The number one mechanism of those on that broad path. Is it camaraderie? No. Is it companionship? No. What is the number one mechanism? It is competition. Because the very nature of of the serpent's allurement is to get us to suspect God, to get us to doubt His givens, His gifts, and His goodness. So the mechanism of those on the broad path that are headed in the wrong direction toward the wrong kingdom that is an illusory kingdom, it is competition. And everybody is trying to get ahead. Everybody is competing. But the mechanism that governs the triumphal march of those being led in the train of Christ, is it competition? No. It is surrender and it is love. It is surrender to love. So to repent is to understand that the promise of independence, empowerment, and liberation, they are a lie. They are a lie. I will not be liberated. I will end my life as weak and feeble as every other poor, pitiful human being. I will not make a name for myself. 
even if I gain the whole world in the end, naked and vulnerable and pathetic, I came into this world and naked and vulnerable and pathetic, I'm going to leave this world. I will not know good and evil for myself. Life will be a constant sequence of being, of collisions, blindsided by circumstances and events that zoomed out of a side street and hit me right where I didn't expect it, right when I didn't expect it. I will not know good and evil for myself. I will live a life of constant disappointment and defeat because the whole dream of my autonomy will be contradicted and upended every step of the way. And even if I gain some pseudo-conquest, even if I become some peacock in a certain arena of life, in that one arena I may strut, but I'm still going to suffer. I'm still going to be as weak and beggarly as everybody else in all the other arenas. And in the end, I am going to have to give up everything. I'm going to have to surrender my breath when I want to keep it. I'm going to have to surrender my mind when I don't want to let go of it. I am going to live a life that is not under my control. And so Jesus comes and he says, I want you to repent. I want you to stop running that fool's race. I want you to stop trying to achieve immortality for yourself. You will never achieve what you're seeking. You want to be like God. And if you're going to try to achieve it by your own hubris, by your own strength, amen, by your own cunning, it's not going to happen. But if you'll turn around... I'll show you a completely different way and I'll give you something that you cannot achieve. If you'll trust me, I'll lead you right out of that mindset that is death. I'll lead you right out of those fears that are captivity. I'll lead you, lead you right out of those habits that are habitations of bondage. And I'll lead you into a kingdom where there is life, where there is joy, where there is peace. And yes, you're going to suffer, you're going to hurt, you're going to have hard times, but you're going to have victory. Be of good cheer. Amen. You're going to suffer, but I have overcome the world. Amen. And you're going to be able to say that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall away. You're going to stumble. But you're never going to turn your back on God. And start heading back down that old dishonest pathway of deception. What does repentance mean? To turn. That means somebody has this compass inside of them. I want everybody in this room to do an experiment with me. Close your eyes. Point. Not up, out, toward north. Now open your eyes. She's pointing over there. She's pointing over there. Everybody's pointing in different directions. Now, true north is somewhere right about there. I think. 
<clears throat> the, the, the danger is, we are born with a false north. We are born driven, magnetized toward the wrong goal. Headed in the wrong direction. And that's why Jesus stands behind us and says, Guys, turn around. You're running down the broad way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. Turn around. Turn around. That's a lie. It's a big deception. And you stand there. And you look. And everybody's getting ahead of you while you're waiting. I'm not sure if I'm going to really live for God. You say, you know what? Lord, I just don't know. Amen. This is what I've been driven to my whole life. I've been driven to not accept anything, but get it for yourself. I've been driven to overcome the odds. To be an achiever. To be your own person. Be your own man. Be your own woman. Prove to the world that you're not a weakling. And here Jesus, I find him almost getting ahead of everybody and you're distracting me, telling me to turn around. What am I going to turn for? And he says, look way, way up there to where you've been going. And all you're going to see is a caterpillar pillar. They all climb the caterpillar pillar, but when they get to the top, there's just more tumbling caterpillars. There's nothing up there. That is the definition of disappointment. Because you're chasing a dream, you're chasing the gold pot at the end of the rainbow, and you're going to run, and you're going to run, and it's always going to be just outside your grasp. And you're going to say, if I could just have this girlfriend, then I'd be happy. And you get the girlfriend, but then you say, oh no, it's not the girlfriend, it's the education. Amen. So you get the education, you say, it's not the education, it's the job, the money, so that I can make the girlfriend happy. And you get the job and the money, and you say, oh no, it's not that, it's, I hate my work, and I, the money doesn't make me happy, it's traveling, and it's seeing places, it's adventure, and you, you start going, and there's no destination, and then you get to the end of your life, and, and you hear the Lord saying, what is your life? It is but a vapor that appeareth for a short while and vanishes away. It was all a waste. It was all meaningless. It was all a squander. Amen. Amen. And you walk out of this world as empty and pathetic and pitiful as the little screaming baby that came in. So he says, but if you turn around, if you'll turn around, I'll put my spirit inside of you. It's not all going to be magic. I'm not going to wave my hand and give you your golden chariot. I'm not going to give you your perfect house or your perfect job or perfect bank account. I'm not going to give you a perfect spouse. I'm not going to give you a perfect church. I'm not going to give you any of that. But I'm going to give you my own spirit. Amen. I'm going to put my spirit deep inside of you. And I'm going to give you the power to find love. To find me in this world. Amen. To find life in this world. Amen. And so you look. 
And you look at this crowd of people, it's a small crowd, and their backs are to this other goal. And you say, what are they after? Is it worth it? Amen. This, the compass that leads you down this, way, this road is the compass called my will. My will. It's an unchanging azimuth. It's a will. It's a compass that always points in one direction. My will. What's best for me. And it's egging you on this direction. And if you keep asking that compass after you start to follow Jesus, if you start keep using your old compass, well, you're going to start spinning in circles. Because you're going to hear him say, follow me. You're going to take two steps and then you're going to ask your will and your will's going to be like, nope, 180. You're going to be heading in the wrong direction. Amen. And then you're going to hear Jesus again. You're going to be back. And your will again. Then another meeting and Jesus again. Then another conflict. Your will again. And you're just going to sit there in no man's land, spinning in circles on the road. Where am I going, God? Nowhere. Because you're a double-minded man, unstable in all your ways, and you can receive nothing from the Lord. Double-mindedness is when people pick up one compass one day, the will of God, another compass next day, my will. Will of God, my will. Will of God, my will. They're contradictory GPS systems. One says north is that way, and the other says north is that way. And you can try to do everything. You can try to read the Bible. You can try to live your life. But if you live it according to the wrong compass, the compass of your will, the compass of your way, of your rightness, you're going to spin in circles. Amen? Amen. So at the core of repentance is breaking the compass of your will. Breaking your will to the will of God. Unless you fall on the rock and are broken, the rock is going to fall on you and grind you to powder. Amen. You have got to break your will. He was singing the song. He said, Though there's pain in the offering. You see, Job is the one who said that. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I looked around this room and I saw people, and almost without exception, I saw people who have known pain. I saw people who had pain in the offering. But I saw a lot of people who still made the offering and said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the most painful of offerings is the offering of yourself, of your will on the altar of God's. God's will, God's plan, God's goodness. Amen. That's what Abraham went through when he took his son and he put him on the altar. Your will, your will. Abraham had done so much for God, hadn't he? 
God had told Abraham to leave the city. Abraham left the city. God had told Abraham to leave his father. Abraham left his father. God had told Abraham to go out in the country. Abraham went out in the country. God had told Abraham to take Sarah as his wife. Abraham had taken Sarah as his wife. God had told Abraham he was going to be a mighty nation. Abraham believed it even when it seemed unbelievable. God told Abraham he was going to have a son and Abraham had a son. But then the compass started bouncing. And pretty soon it found an opposite north to God's will. And Abraham started trying to pursue God's plan with the compass of his will and how he thought things were going to go with his kid. He loved his kid, amen? We love our loved ones, don't we? Is that a bad thing? No, that's a good thing. But if you love father, mother, sister, brother more than me, you're not worthy of me, Jesus said. You've got to let your love be changed. You've got to let your love be calibrated according to the compass of God's will or else you're just deceiving yourself again. Did God want Abraham to hate Isaac, to treat Isaac cruelly? No, God didn't want Abraham to cheat himself and Isaac out of the incredible family he had planned. And he knew that if the compass went back to just mere human affection, that Abraham was going to be cheated. Because that compass that was set back in Eden when we had that conversation with the snake, that compass is wrong every time. So God did all this stuff in Abraham's life. Has God done a lot of things in your life? But then... Abraham got the biggest blessing he'd ever gotten. He got the promise. And it was about to happen. God was so great and worthy and he was such a provider and I love you, God. And, but the compass had shifted. and It was no longer God's will. It was Abraham's will with God's things. It was no longer God's will. It was Abraham's will with God's things. You say, God told me to do this. Uh-huh, he did. God told me he would give me this. And here it is from him. Uh Uh-huh, it is. But it was Abraham's will with God's things. And so God says to Abraham, you know what? I just want to ask you a question. Do you love me more than your son? Abraham said, yes, Lord, I do. Goodbye. And they went on their merry way. Is that how it happened? No. No, that's not how it happened. Because that's not how breaking happens. That's not how repentance happens. There are fruits of repentance. Repentance always entails actions. And God could have just come up to Abraham and said, do you love me more than Isaac? And Abraham could have said, yes, Lord. And God could have said, okay. Just wanted to make sure. Love you now. See you later. But that wouldn't have been reality, would it have been? Amen. So God tells him, Abraham. Abraham says, yes, Lord. God says, I want you to take Isaac, your son. Then he adds that little piece. He says, your only son. Abraham's heart is pounding. I want you to take him up to Mount Moriah, and I want you to make a sacrifice of him for me. And Abraham's internal will compass was saying, this is wrong. Just as surely as Jesus is, Jesus could have listened to the carnal nature and said this was wrong when it came to the cross. Amen. Just as surely as Peter pulled out his sword and tried to stop Jesus and said this is wrong. 
I mean, obviously, guys, this is just wrong. This feels wrong. Uh huh. To what? To your flesh? To your carnal man? Is that what it feels wrong to? Because that compass is what has been leading you astray all your life. And so, Abraham's there. Amen. And God's will is wanting to take him this way. But the mercury keeps pulling it that way. God's will is saying, go this way. And the mercury keeps bouncing it back that way. This is north. God, I know it is. This was your promise. This was your plan. I can do this in my own strength. And all of a sudden, there was a breaking and a snapping. Maybe there were tears and prayers and crying out in anguish. Oh, God. It felt like a death, as every repentance feels like. When Abraham rested his will to do the will of God. Maybe he prayed something like, Lord, work in me to will and to do your good pleasure. And he took Isaac up to the mountain. And it wasn't a godly version of his plan. It wasn't a godly angle on his will. It was the utter breaking of his will. There was nothing of him in it. There was nothing for him in it. There was no explaining of it. The carnal mind could not get its tentacles around this. But he's trusting God. And he takes his promise and he puts it on the altar. And he knows God is able to bring this back from the dead even if it dies. And he's saying, God, if I hadn't trusted you this far, you wouldn't have given me a wife. You wouldn't have brought me out of Ur. You wouldn't have given me a son. How can I stop trusting you now? How can I pervert the blessings and the way of God with my own will now? This is going to be all or nothing, God. So he takes out the knife. And the Lord knows his heart. God never wanted him to hurt poor Isaac. God wanted him to trust his word and his spirit more than his own senses. He wanted to break his will to the will of God. And you're not repentant until that happens. If you're still walking by sight, then you're not walking by faith. And if you're not walking by faith, it's because you're walking by faith in yourself. In your own way, in your own idea of what's best. And we've all got those ideas. The Lord saw that the work was complete and he he provided a ram. Amen. He stayed his hand. He didn't want him to hurt Isaac. He wanted to see if Abraham was really following his own rationalization with a God flavor to it on whether he was really following God. What does repentance mean? To turn. 
to turn. To turn from that instinct inside of us toward our own godhood, our own power, our own independence, and our pseudo-liberation from any, any authority and any, any dependence. It's to turn from that lie. It's to know our latter end. Oh, that they would know their latter end. It's to know where this ends up. To believe God. And to say, God, if you will lead me, if you will speak to me, if you will let that kingdom become a reality in my life, I'll turn my back on all of this. It will become for me like the dunghill. Paul said, all these things that were gain. His education, his, his vocation, all these things that were gain. Now, I consider them as loss, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, having a righteousness, not from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ. I consider all of them as rubbish. It's all rubbish. Not gain. I once considered it gain. Not anymore. I consider it all as a loss. It's all a big minus. So that I can gain not things that I hope will get me happiness, but so that I can gain Jesus. So that I can be in Him. Be in His will. Be in His love. Be in His Spirit. Be in His promise. Ultimately, His promise of eternal life. Jesus gave people the opportunity to repent, didn't he? The man came to Jesus and he said, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And in a nutshell, Jesus told him, repent. All the things that are successes for you, all the things that are riches, that are successes for you, sell them all and give them to the poor and come follow me. Get off that road. Turn around and head the opposite direction. That road calls for self-achievement. I call for a cross and surrender. That road calls for strength. I call for weakness. That road calls for independence. I call for submission and cooperation in my body. Everything that you know you're going to have to turn your back on it. And instead the man turned his back on Jesus and he walked away sad and Jesus was grieved because he loved him. That unrighteous man could not turn. He just couldn't pivot. Because the compass of his own mind, it was so clear. That would be insane. That wouldn't make any sense. They said of Jesus, they said he's a madman. He didn't make sense. They said of Paul, Paul, much learning has driven you crazy. He didn't make much sense to the carnal mind. 
he turned. And he'd broken the old compass. And he'd found another compass. That spirit of God that could work in him to will and do God's good pleasure. And let me ask you something. When you're all so full of your defenses and you're all so up in a tizzy about the violation of your will, do you feel the Spirit of God? Do you feel the joy you first felt when you prayed through and spoke in tongues? Do you feel the victory you feel when you worship God and you say, I have a reason to sing, I have a reason to worship? Or do you feel shriveled and dried up? Hmm? When you're all bent up and bent out of shape, and you're positive that you're being treated unfairly, and you're all ruined because your will has been violated, what are you feeling? The compass of God's Spirit ought to tell you something. You see, even if it's a hard way, if you're in God's will, you're going to feel His pleasure. You're going to feel Him smiling down on you. You're going to pray. You're going to feel His presence again saying, this is the way, walk in it. You're going to feel His voice speaking in your heart saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. You're going to feel Him saying, you've offered an acceptable sacrifice and now you can know and feel what is that good and acceptable will of God. Is that what you feel when your will has taken you again? God wants you to turn. Amen. Till by turning, turning, you come round right. Hallelujah. And you can't do it on your own strength. How do we come to repentance? God grants us repentance. When His Word comes to us and it hits us where we hurt, we either deflect it and defend ourselves. Or we say, yes, God. And we fall on the rock of His Word and we are broken. And He picks us up and He puts us back together according to His plan. And He makes us whole and He heals us and He sets us on the paths of His command. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Lean on your own understanding and try to live for God and you'll spin in a circle. Your path will be as crooked as it can be. It'll be a zigzag, a never-ending zigzag, a spiral, a maze of confusion, of doubts and disappointment and unbelief, suspicion. But if you'll say, God... I want to acknowledge you right now. I want to acknowledge that you're the Lord of my life. And if you're asking me to put to death the very thing I hold dear God, I'm willing to do it right now. Amen. I want to turn. I want to turn from my way. I want to turn from my sin. I want to turn from all my past. But ultimately, I want to turn from my way. From my will. I want to offer myself as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. Amen. I want to turn right now from my way and I want to say, Your will, O Lord. Your will and Your way. Yes, Lord, yes. To Your will and to Your way. Amen. Not my will, but Your will be done. Amen. I got my ideas and I'm going to ask you from time to time, could you please let Isaac live? Could you please not do this? Could you please let me do that? But I'm always going to follow it up by saying, but nevertheless, Lord, Not my will, but your will be done. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. 
And that's how I'm going to resist temptation. That's how I'm going to come out from the dominion of darkness and come into the kingdom of God. Amen? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What that means is you can't get inside the kingdom until you break your will. Until you repent. The kingdom can be right there at hand, but you can't get inside of it. Amen. Because flesh and blood won't achieve it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to pray with me right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, God. Pray with your heart. Amen. Ask God, what is He asking you to turn from? God, help me to know my will that I may turn from it, God. Help me to know the compass of my own determined, stubborn will so that I can turn from it. Because there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, and that way is death. Amen. God, help me to turn from what I think is right. And help me to turn to you. And let you show me what's right and what's wrong. I don't, can't know it for myself. Hallelujah. God, I want to turn. God, I want to turn. God, I want to walk away from this meeting, from this word tonight. I want to walk away knowing that all of my unrighteousness has been forgotten. Amen. And that I'm living not by my own strength, but by the power of your will. God, I want to turn in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, God. Jesus, Jesus, God. Anybody want to turn from their will? Turn from their sin. Turn from their pride. Turn from their achievements. Turn from what God considers rubbish that you thought was gain all your life. Amen. God, help us to turn. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to love your voice. Jesus, God, work in us to will and do your good pleasure. Come.